Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman. And we have a, well, first, we have my co-host here today, Beth Pelletieri. So welcome, Beth. Thank you for having me. And I have to say thank you. Caroline just gave me a little um, impromptu Reiki before the show started for my allergies, and I'm feeling much better. So thank you for that. um, Yeah. For that warm welcome. Of course. What did you experience when you felt the Reiki kind of coming through and working on your sinuses? Um, It just felt a lot lighter and I haven't been able to breathe through my nose and then I could. So that is really where the magic's at. That was like three minutes. It was a magical three minutes. Power session. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm so excited though to introduce our guest today um, is Fred Bogan. He's a pediatrician and hypnotherapist and especially with Mother's Day on Sunday, I think having a pediatrician in our midst and someone who works with kids to help um, support children in, in their life journey, of course, will also help parents in their life journey. So um, welcome, Fred. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I want to quickly point out that I'm a retired pediatrician. Okay, retired pediatrician. I'm, I yeah. think I was trying to provide context for the hypnotherapy work as with kids. So it's, I'll just restate it then. It's uh, yeah. hypnotherapy with children um, sure. as, as, yeah. as your profession. Great. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you found this work, um, especially as a retired pediatrician, and, and what brought you to it? All right. So my story with hypnosis starts in third year of medical school where during a psychiatry rotation we had a a demonstration of hypnosis by one of the faculty psychiatrists and I said I still remember this I'm pretty sure I'm remembering it correctly I said that is so cool I'm going to learn how to do that someday and so about six years later I had an opportunity to go to a a workshop i think it was just pediatric hypnosis um it's like two or three days where you start to learn some of the basics about hypnosis and you get to practice on each other the various people attending and i loved it and so off and on through my 38 years of pediatrics i i used it quite a bit and since i retired i've um I've been very happy to just have a very part-time practice of the hypnosis. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, what what about it? Hypnosis specific? I mean, there's so many different sort of alternate therapies, perhaps out there, or different ways to incorporate things into your medical practice as you went. Um, why hypnosis? Yeah. So, I, for me, the beauty of hypnosis and speaking particularly in terms of working with children, is that it's really an opportunity to promote mastery and a sense of control in kids. And that's especially helpful in situations where children may feel they have no control, whether it's fighting some 
illness or disease or being in a frightening situation like being hospitalized. Um, and, and so a big part of hypnosis is language. And just by being mindful of our language and speaking with children and their parents, uh, we can be, I think, so much more helpful, supportive, and encouraging. And, and then formal hypnosis goes even beyond that and gives kids amazing tools to help themselves. So I'm so curious about this sense of control, because when we think about hypnosis, um, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we were on the air, right? You have this idea of someone like clucking like a chicken or being out of control, like that they actually lose control of their facilities through hypnosis. So can you talk a little bit more about what hypnosis is and, and how it helps children feel like they have a sense of control when things outside of their life feel a little out of control? Right. So I'll start by addressing a very popular misconception that they originated with cartoons and then movies, kid movies like Captain Underpants and, and some adult movies. They, they all portray hypnosis in a, in a particularly unhelpful way because they give a sense that there's some evil wizard who's doing mind control on the on the subject and that is really the opposite of the truth so i explain to kids when i see them that i teach kids self-hypnosis and i ask them who do you suppose is the boss when you're doing self-hypnosis and 99% of the kids easily say, oh, it's, it's me, the kid. And I say, that's right. So even though the cartoons portray it as a zombie-like state or a state of sleep, it's not. It's actually a, a very alert but very focused attention. And one is aware of their surroundings. If a fire truck goes by while you're in hypnosis, you'll hear the fire truck. But it won't be important to you unless it's your building that's burning. And, um, and so you'll stay focused on whatever it is you're, you're imagining and thinking about. So it, um, and by doing that, by, through the process of hypnosis, kids and adults can, can gain, I think, access to what I would call the unconscious mind. And, and I, believe that, that everyone has a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. And day to day, most people can't tap into that unconscious. And, and what is valuable, valuable about the hypnosis is that by enabling people, children, to tap into their unconscious, they can unlock certain abilities that they didn't know they had. And, and it's to me, a real treasure chest of skills and powers that that ordinarily people can't can't imagine that that they have, and and that's what gives greater control. Um, Very cool. Um, so, and what I what I, what I'm hearing in your answer. Um, and because I'm, um, I have a ten and a, an almost ten and almost seven year old, so I'm intimately familiar with Captain Underpants, um, which for our listeners is a, a principle that can get turned into a superhero wearing underpants. Um, 
and 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 that is external right that's the idea that like someone can sort of trick you into hypnosis trick you into an altered state in which you have these underwear superpowers um and what you're offering is almost um a, like it reminds me a little bit of like a deep meditation which is sort of a, a deeper sense of self which is basically the opposite of of captain underpants is that am i hearing you right yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think you explained it nicely. Um, and um, there's quite a, I think, quite a bit of similarity between meditation and hypnosis. What hypnosis adds to meditation, in, in my view, is the ability to, to use that skill to work on a specific problem or concern. So... And I think in a few minutes, we'll talk about some of the different ways that we can apply hypnosis. But, um, and it also involves being in a state where you're open to suggestion, but in the hands of a responsible person leading the, conducting the hypnosis, the suggestion is always a positive, you know, helpful thing. And, and we encourage kids to give themselves suggestions that also are positive, helpful messages. That's very cool. I really love that, um, that frame. And also just, you know, in my own kids noticing that we can use some meditation tools, it can help them calm down, but it is hard as a kid to get into sort of that altered state of being that grownups can more easily access in meditation. Um, and so sort of having someone like, you know, in the, in the way that a grownup might pursue a meditation teacher or any sort of sort of facilitator of a deeper experience that you can offer kids that safe way to access their their inner knowing and their inner guidance um, and see a situation in a different way that offers them empowerment and confidence um, instead of feeling left out of of what's happening it's very cool Fred um, so before we shift into sort of what people might come to you for. Caroline, did you have any questions that were popping up? I, one of my questions is when you were talking about um, about kind of coming back to that sense of control, you used the word mastery. What What is mastery of, of self or what? how do you understand that within the context of, um, of your work within, you know, yeah, I guess how, how does mastery fit into that? Okay. So there's many, many different examples of skill sets that um, that a child may be trying to master, and and which can actually be assisted through the process of learning self hypnosis. So let's talk about having dry beds, which is how I phrase um, the problem of bedwetting or enuresis. I, I always present it as let's talk about, you know, how often you have dry beds and, and how we can help you be more and more um, able to be dry every night. So that's something that is difficult for kids to simply will themselves to be dry. Um, and yet in hypnosis, we can facilitate what we present as a communication between their brain and their bladder. And we'll even draw a picture and show 
quote unquote wires that go between the brain and bladder. And, and I'll explain to the child that, that the bladder signals your brain when it's full and your brain signals your bladder to stay tightly closed until you're able to get to a bathroom. Just imagining that, focusing on that before bedtime can can have amazing results with kids and quite a few kids. It's, it's not a rare thing. It's very common that we can have terrific success. That's just sort of one issue, but they've mastered the art of having a dry bed, you know. Um, kids have used it to facilitate sports, to facilitate learning, um, to, um, I don't know, there's just many, many different ways where kids would like to be able to master some, some situation, some challenge, and the self-hypnosis can be a real key to assist them with that. That sounds like such a cool combination of, um, of you know, using current successes that the kid is having to foster future successes and also sort of pulling in that future self. Um, I'm a life coach, and so I often talk to clients about sort of how they imagine their future self handling a situation or being in a, you know, moving their life forward in a certain way. And so it seems like you're really in hypnosis combining the sort of meditative piece with the building on successes and this mastery component um, into sort of a beautiful blend that's accessible to youngsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I would add to that um, something you said, which is looking to the future with a positive lens, uh, with, you know, the view of the possibilities that exist. And, and by focusing on the positive, that in itself can bring about a tremendous change. Um, so uh, that's a really important part of what we're doing with working with kids with hypnosis. Tackle the sort of what you do, and we're going to take a quick musical break, and then we're going to talk about sort of when you do it, sort of what kids and what ages and what ailments. Um, and so I'm sort of just curious, Fred, now sort of who is a good candidate for hypnosis and what ages in particular, since children, you know, is a broad, a broad group of different developmental ages and experiences. So who are your, who are your ideal clients and, and what do they need help with? Um, okay, so I usually like the children to be at least four years old or so, um, four also happens to be my favorite age for kids, but um, right through adolescence. And and I I also, in the last year or so, have done some work with adults too. Um, but my first love is, is kids, which is why I ended up in pediatrics. Um, what is it about I, the age four that makes that your favorite age to work with, Fred? I think that four, at four, kids are so full of wonder and curiosity and so open to the whole world and also so adorable i i I wrote an essay once about i called it practice limited to (laughs) four-year-olds and i had four or five vignettes about four-year-old kids and how cute they were so i have to agree it is a great age of like that mix of like there's still some baby in them but they're they're just understanding so i don't know yeah, and yeah. my son is three and a half, and oh. I've never learned. He's like, we spent a whole morning watching fire trucks, and then 
he's also like but he's also like fascinated by how the fire trucks work so it's like the both and where they can like sort of be in the mystery of it all but also want to know the the nuts and bolts i don't know uh-huh. great <laughs> just an anecdote uh- about my child yes i love hearing about your kids <laughs> so i i think you also asked um what types of things yeah to- yeah so in in broad strokes we can think about physical issues we can think about psychological or emotional issues and then i would add in a category of behavioral challenges and so in terms of specifics um one of the big things i've been um seeing over the past year particularly with the pandemic and all is the issue of anxiety and i think even before the pandemic it seemed to me that that the incidence of anxiety in young people was was rising and there was a great need for giving kids again some sense of control some sense of mastery in the face of their worries and fears um so anxiety and stress in general it can be very helpful for things that we would call habit disorders and that would include things like nail biting thumb sucking hair twirling um there's a, an entity called habit cough which is a very striking loud cough that the kids are not creating the cough voluntarily but um there isn't an underlying medical reason um, and that actually can respond very well to hypnosis. Issues of pain control, both short-term or acute pain, like procedural pain, you can help kids do very well for shots and blood tests. Um, and also for chronic pain issues, it can be very, very helpful. Um, if I could tell a very quick vignette, I saw a young lady who I think was either four or five who had to have a bunch of blood tests because she was being evaluated for some unusual um, illness thing. And, but she was quite phobic about needles. And her mom brought her to me and said, please, can you help her be comfortable for, for having blood drawn? And so we did hypnosis and she was a kid that was very active. She was like upside down in the chair and moving all around. And, and the casual observer would say, well, there's no hypnosis going on there. And yet she was focused on what we were talking about. And she was able to take that from the office to her next blood draw where oh, previously they wanted to put her in a papoose board with Velcro mm-hmm. straps, which I think is really like medieval torture. And I said, don't let them do that. And, she sat there calmly and in her mind went to Disney World and went on some ride that she loved while they drew the blood without any any battle at all. So when stuff like that happens, it always makes me really happy that um, it's such a concrete way that that a child's been received help, you know, to deal with their fears. That's such a cool story. I got I got goosebumps. I think too, right? Those are the parenting moments where you almost feel like there isn't a solution, right? And what what strikes me about that, right, is that you're you're in this situation and you're trying to figure out the best medical care for your kid, and 
the you almost feel like there isn't a good solution you pro- she probably tried like letting her daughter watch tv while they did the blood draw and it didn't work and she probably tried like having all the favorite books and the coloring and that didn't work and so it's one of those moments where you feel like there isn't a solution and then you're sort of offering one um that's yeah. sort of that's very that's very cool yeah yeah it's nice there are a couple other things that i didn't uh, mention um children's fears and phobias uh can be helped with that um ticks like like the twitches um involuntary movements um and verbal ticks too and even tourette's syndrome um which is kind of a full-blown issue with with challenges of verbal and motor ticks can be addressed i think really nicely through hypnosis and there's been a fair amount of research on some gastrointestinal disorders, specifically uh, irritable bowel syndrome. There's probably at least 20 studies that have all really supported the notion that teaching a child to use self-hypnosis, they can get really impressive control over their symptoms of, of IBS. Um, and, and then the last one I'll mention, because it always wows people, is kids can get rid of their own warts through using self-hypnosis. And um, everyone says, well, how can that be? How does that work? And my short answer to that is that the body has a mind and what's happening between your ears has a huge impact on what's happening with the rest of your body. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, our warts are a virus, right? Isn't that correct? That is correct, yeah. So I think your implied question is, can we actually have an impact on the body's ability to fight infections? And my belief is yes. Um, Warts really respond very well to suggestion. It doesn't even have to be hypnosis, honestly, but but hypnosis makes it fun and and quite simple. Um, There is a study done by one of my heroes, uh, a pediatrician named Karen Olness, who's kind of the grandmother of pediatric hypnosis. And she did a study where she tried to increase the amount of um, of a immunoglobulin, one of the body's defenses against infections, by using hypnosis. And she had one group of kids where they did hypnosis and they got specific suggestions about increasing their immunoglobulin and another group where they just told stories and didn't have any, maybe they had suggestions also, but they didn't have hypnosis. And then a third group. But anyway, the the hypnosis with the suggestion to increase the immunoglobulins was able to show statistically significant increase. They measured saliva from the kids and measured um, what's called IgA, immunoglobulin A, in the saliva and it increased in response to the hypnosis and the suggestion. So there's definitely some evidence that it can affect one's immunity and ability to fight fight stuff. That's very cool. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, I have two questions. So the first one is, can you talk a little, because anxiety is such a prevalent problem right now, and COVID has, I think, really exacerbated that, um, both in sort of having to leave school and maybe feeling kids feeling isolated, but then also even in the return to school, right? They've been told to be afraid and now they're supposed to, you know, be in school all day. Um, how sort of, how do you work with kids on anxiety 
whether it's general, especially if it's like more generalized um, fear. Uh, right. so that's my first question. So, so I agree that we're, we're seeing a lot of anxiety in kids today. And um, my general approach is to start off by trying, um, well, I try to explain the fight or flight mechanism and, um, and how a part of the brain signals to the amygdala that they've got to prepare for, for an emergency. And, and I give an example that illustrates that often that's a false alarm and, and kids with anxiety are triggering that alarm all the time with, with their thoughts. So what we do next is I invite the kids to draw a picture of what their worry or their anxiety might look like and to even name it if they want. And the idea of that is to externalize this, this challenge of anxiety, that it's not a part of me, it's not a permanent thing inside me, it's kind of like this unwelcome visitor. And, and what we say is there isn't a way to stop anxiety from showing up. It, we, it shows up for everybody. What we can control is how we respond to it. So then in hypnosis, we give kids tools that they can use to respond to anxiety in a more confident and in a healthy um, way. So an example would be um, I, while they're doing imagery about something they love to do or place they like to be, um, I'll invite them to stumble upon a deflated ball of some type. And, and I'll say, why don't you pick that up? And, and we can call that the worry ball. And you can either use your mouth to pump up the worry ball, or you can even use a, a pump to take, take all the worries from you and pump them into that ball and then figure out the best way to get rid of that ball. You might kick it, you might um, punch it off in distance, you might throw it in a river and see it float away, or it might even float up in the sky like a, a, a hot air balloon and, and get smaller and smaller until it disappears. So that would be just one example of, a, of an approach. There are you know, many different types of images, metaphors. Um, metaphor is a really powerful part of, of, the, of the tool of hypnosis. Um, so I, hopefully that answers. Yeah, no, I love, that's great. Thank you. And I think it gives our listeners a concrete sense of what might happen during a session. Um, you mentioned when we talked earlier too, how, um, the, some of the kids you work with managed to use the hypnosis tools in other parts of their life that they didn't sort of visit you for. Um, would you mind sharing one of those sort of little anecdotes? Sure. So, um, I was working with a 16-year-old um, young lady who had like eight or ten plantar warts, the kind of warts you get on the bottom of your feet, which can be pretty uncomfortable. And, and it's also pretty uncomfortable to have them removed. So um, she came to see me, and she really was open to the hypnosis which let me interject at this point, it's, it's pretty important 
that the person I'm seeing has some motivation to change the, the issue that we're working on. So if, if the kid is not bothered by problem X, it doesn't matter how much I want to help and how much the parents want to help. They really have to be kind of open to it and invest it. But, and usually the kids are. Um, so, so this young lady um, was really into it. She focused on ways to imagine making her warts disappear. Um, and, and the suggestion that I give is we explain, ask the kid, is a wart alive or dead? And they identify correctly that it's alive, it's growing and so on. And we say, well, what it needs to keep living is food and let's cut off the food supply to the wart. Then we talk about blood vessels and blah, blah, blah. So they devise a way to cut off the food supply and usually within four to six weeks, I would say the, the vast majority of the warts are gone. And normally warts have a half-life of like a couple of years, I think. Um, so this, this particular individual conquered her plantar warts completely, did beautifully. And then I asked at a follow-up visit, I said, tell me, have you found other ways to apply your self-hypnosis that you've been using so well to get your feet clear. And she said, yes. She said, I'm on a fencing team in high school and I use it to visualize my fencing match before I begin. And she said, and also I had to take my SAT exams um, a week ago and I was really quite nervous. So before I went into the room to sit down and take the exam, I did a, a brief little self-hypnosis exercise and helped myself get so much more calm and relaxed and it enabled me to really focus on the test and and get beyond any type of nervousness that i was feeling and kids all the time will come up with different ways that they found that they can apply their hypnosis skills what a cool story thank you i'm thinking about maybe a listener who's who's interested in what you're you know putting on the table um and for parents right now, right, there's a there's a lot going on. There's a lot of working from home and managing different things and altered child care. And so I was hoping you could just walk us through maybe that first introduction with a kid. So like really sort of like what's a parent's interested? They email you and they're like, what sort of what do they expect? Or what, what sort of do you have a private conversation with them first? Or does a kid get included? Or sort of how is that? How does that intro feel? So I, you know, I kind of encourage people to either contact me by email or phone. So that's generally, you know, the parent um, and get a sense as to what challenge or challenges they're interested in working on and, and learn something about the child, uh, the age and, and whatever information seems pertinent uh, from the parent's viewpoint. And then um, I'll give an honest reply as to whether I think that hypnosis would be an appropriate approach. And um, I, I never view hypnosis as a, a replacement for, you know, traditional medical care um, or, or also for traditional, helpful psychotherapy. Um, 
but I think that it can complement those fields very nicely. And so again, if as long as I feel that it is an appropriate use of hypnosis, um, then I will um, answer whatever questions the parents have about, um, you know, what are the next steps and what to anticipate and so on and so forth. And so that's usually the the preliminary when when we have the first meeting, I I always invite the parents to join the child and myself um, either on Zoom or back before the pandemic days um, in in the room. And um, the older the child, the more likely it is that that they'll say, you know, I don't want my parent to be here. But I, I, I kind of prefer the parent to be there for the initial discussion where I talk about the misconceptions and how I view hypnosis and what I think we can offer. Um, but once we've gone through that and if the child is okay with it, I, I invite the parent to observe the hypnosis itself. But generally by the second session, the kids come in alone and I just work with them directly. Yeah. So um, thank you for that. I think that is helpful in just sort of laying out the the land. Um, you talked about sort of how you see it as a complement with Western medicine, and I'm curious, sort of, um, when do you think is a um, for a parent who's sort of navigating Western medicine and thinking, you know, hey, this isn't quite working, or I, there's other problems coming up now. Because sort of, when is the best access point for you? When do you see parents sort of, um, yeah, think thinking of you and and reaching out? Yeah. Well, there hopefully are an increasing number of of medical providers that are aware of hypnosis and and locally um, there are a number that are aware of the kind of stuff I do. And and so they might actually raise the topic with the parent. But but assuming that that doesn't happen, when might a parent think about it? Well, if, if a parent's concerned, say, about medication, that, my gosh, my, they want my kid to be on three medicines or um, are these strong pain medicines, are there any uh, alternative um, approaches that we could consider? And um, hypnosis has been shown to, um, to have a pretty powerful impact on medication use. One example is asthma. Um, kids with with really challenging asthma that wind up in the emergency room often and are on, um, you know, regular inhalers and needing um, nebulizer treatments frequently. The use of medication can be significantly reduced in studies by introducing hypnosis. Um, so medicines, um, if... Uh, if the parent feels that um, that they're they're not seeing the result that they had hoped for with a given challenge through traditional medical approaches, then I'm happy to discuss with them if if I think hypnosis could add um, add anything to the mix and um, and, and and often uh, there's real potential to to gain. Um, 
I, I once saw a four-year-old girl whose mom said, I have to do a preoperative visit. And I said, what surgery is she having? And she had multiple plantar warts and the podiatrist was going to have her go under anesthesia and remove the, the plantar warts. And I said to the mom, how about if we try hypnosis first? And, and before you do the anesthesia, she said, great. And sure enough, within a month or two, that four-year-old was able to get rid of her warts completely. And so we avoided general anesthesia, which is always a nice thing. So absolutely. That, yeah, that's a nice example. That's a beautiful example, especially for something like warts where, um, you know, it's not, it's, right, it's not, not it, life it's, it's on, right. It's on that borderline where you need to take care of it, but it's not, um, yeah, life threatening. Yeah. Um, has, have you noticed a difference as you've shifted to zoom with working with kids in particular? Um, first the in-person. So it, it's interesting. Um, at early in the pandemic, I decided, I, I think really the only way to do this responsibly would be via Zoom. And I was a little bit unsure as to how it would work out. But I've been really pleased with how easy it, it seems to be to carry on a regular interaction with the child and parent via Zoom, to do the hypnosis via Zoom. And um, it, it, I don't feel that anything's being lost, actually, um, using Zoom as opposed to in person. And it really takes care of a lot of problems like driving to appointments, dealing with traffic, finding parking, um, and, and a lot of other kind of difficult things. And even geography, I now I'm seeing kids from all over the place via Zoom. They could be in Alaska. Um, actually, saw somebody in Panama um, oh. via Zoom. Yeah. It also takes care of the problem of what you do with your other children while one child is having mm -hmm. a session, because now you have options. You, yes. Yeah. So yeah. which is really, yes. I think, very parent friendly. <laughs> Did you have a question, Caroline? Yeah. I mean, more of a comment. I feel like, you know, kids are, and I feel this way about animals, but they're always more comfortable in the place that they know. And the, the place that they feel the most comfortable is usually, I mean, within the parameters of a safe, loving household, that's home, you know, and being able to just open up your computer, have a session, and then, you know, get right back to it can make, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of like, energetic interactions between the, the household space and what's going on internally. So I kind of like bringing those treatments right into those um, into the, the home environment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Caroline. Um, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. They're comfortable, they're home. And sometimes things like pet animals um, become a helpful part of the process. Um, I remember seeing one little girl who was very fond of a, a pet bunny rabbit. And so I encouraged her to hold the rabbit on her lap and stroke the rabbit and kind of tune into the sensory experience, how soft the fur feels and, you know, how nice it feels to have the bunny on her lap. And so it can be a real help. There, there are some dogs that 
aren't totally with the program, but uh, <laughs> but we, we usually can work it out. Not every animal has an interest in healing, but many of them do. <laughs> Bunny rabbit sounds particularly soft. Yeah, loving. Loving. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Fred, um, where can people reach you um, if they're listening to this and they're intrigued? How do they get in touch? Okay. So I have a website, it's called Hypnosis with Fred, and on there you'll find my email, which I'll just spit out, it's F like Fred, J like John, and Bogan is B-O-G-I-N at gmail.com, um, but that's on the website, and also my cell phone number is on there as well. Um, so they could call or, or shoot me an email and, and, and we can go from there. Delightful. Delightful. Um, and, uh, can you say your website one more time, Fred? Yeah. Um, hypnosis with Fred. Easy, easy yes. to remember. Not the most creative. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a website is not meant to be creative, just <laughs> Easy to find. Yes. <laughs> so that sounds perfect. Hypnosis by Fred. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Or with Fred. With Fred. Yeah. With Fred. I said it wrong. I didn't want to say it wrong. On the air. <laughs> so, Fred, can you tell us a little bit about how how do you bring hypnosis into your, your own life? Like, what does it look like on a day-to-day -day for you? I mean, you do so much work helping others. How does it impact your own day-to-day -day or weekly or these little problems that come up in, in your life? Yeah. Um well, I'll start with big examples, not the day-to-day, -day, but some big issues. I had, the reason I, I retired when I did, which was like six years ago, was I had several major surgeries um, within about a six-month period. And I have a friend who made a, a CD set called Stress-Free Surgery. And I literally listened to that. It's about a half-hour recording. I listened to it every morning for a month prior to the surgery. And I'm absolutely convinced it, it had a huge impact. And then I ended up like a year ago having to have another major surgery and I again used it. And um, it was basically open heart surgery and the team kept coming by each morning and looking at me and saying, we can't believe you're not taking pain medicine and you seem you're, you're doing so well and you seem so comfortable. So it was pretty profound, and I'm absolutely convinced that the hypnosis had a lot to do with that. Um, day to day, you know, when I was in pediatric practice, I, I used it all the time in terms of hypnotic language and realizing that there's suggestion in everything you say. So, so some people say, well, tell the child the shot's going to hurt. If you say the shot is going to hurt, they're focused their attention on, on the pain. So what I started saying was, I'm not sure how this is going to feel, but let me know when your arm is feeling better and better and better. So now you focus their attention on my, my arm is going to feel more and more comfortable. Um, so hypnotic language is, is very powerful. I, I kind of think I try to do positive hypnotic suggestions in my day-to-day -day existence with, with other people. I, I think... If I really was a master, I would 
be a better golfer than I am in terms of giving myself uh, hypnosis to to play great golf. But someday I'm sure I'll achieve that. Um, and, My swing uh, keeps improving with every stroke. Thank you. That's a very nice hypnotic suggestion. <laughs> um, and and I do find it very helpful as a way to just calm down if I'm feeling stressed or anxious. I can I can turn it on quite quickly, and uh, and find a really nice calming effect. So so it's good stuff. I love the way you reframed the shot. Um, I know that was just a small example in your much longer answer, but um, that was so powerful, right? Because we're trying to. Our kids have some anxiety about the shot. You're trying to be honest with them, but also um, temper their anxiety. And so I feel like you just gave me such a huge gift to my parenting toolkit because that's so, right. Then you're still being honest that it might be uncomfortable, but you're the, you've shifted the whole focus of what's going to happen and where they can put their attention and and sort of feel proud about. Oh, look, it's starting to feel better now, and this is my experience. So that's very cool. Fred, I have I have one more question for you. We only have a few minutes left, um, so just keeping that in mind. But how how do your colleagues in the medical world feel about the work that you're doing now? Or what's you know, I, the response? I, I should say. I, um, so certainly, I can't say that 100 percent of colleagues out there you know, celebrate what I'm doing and, and, uh, and have a full understanding of it. But there are certainly a number of, of providers um, that have, have an understanding of it and have referred kids to me and have been pleased with the, with the outcomes. And so that builds, you know, greater and greater kind of interest and, and, and trust. And um, again, I feel like the fact that I had a career in pediatrics is helpful in terms of letting people know, you know, that I, I take this business very seriously and feel that it's critical to, to conduct myself in a very responsible and ethical and, and, and appropriate way. And so hopefully that gives comfort to parents and, and potential um, referral sources. Yeah. Do you have any advice for parents who might be looking for doctors that are more open? Like, how do you navigate if you're looking, like, say somebody's looking for a new pediatrician, and they, they want to start integrating, you know, different modalities like what you do, or, or, you know, the whole array of, you know, alternative health? Um, are there some key questions that parents might be able to ask to kind of suss out um, a, a pediatrician that might be in line or might be kind of more open minded towards this type of work? You know, I, I think there's probably not much substitute to actually meeting the pediatric provider, getting a sense, you know, how does this person relate to my child? How do they relate to me? What, what's their sort of general attitude toward toward things maybe uh, that, that might be considered alternative, um, like hypnosis? Uh, also, I think a parent could get a a sense from a website of, of a pediatric group, for example, about 
what what they see as important and and avenues where they put resources uh, are they invested in helping with children's um, mental health issues you know psychological challenges and stuff and and so I don't think there's a quick and easy answer but basically to to see how you how the experience is when you when you're in that room with with that provider and how it feels and how your child feels. Yeah, that makes sense. So we have a couple minutes left. Any last words of wisdom for our listeners this evening? Um, well, you gave me a tip that you might ask that. So <laughs> um, I used to be involved in a parenting education program called Active Parenting, and they had different slogans for parents. And this one I like was, be gentle with yourself um, and be gentle with your children, which I think that's a pretty good piece of wisdom. And since we have one or two more minutes, I will tell you my one of my heroes is Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, of course. And, and one of his quotes is, there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. And the third way is to be kind. So I, I love everything that Fred Rogers ever said. And I think that's a particularly nice one for people to carry around in their, in their minds. Oh, I love that. What a great way to end too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just the energy. I wish we kind of could go out on the little trolley sound. I know. That would be a great <laughs> close. Had to boot that up ahead of time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Fred, for coming on the show today. Um, and if people are just tuning in and they want to catch this whole episode with Fred Bogan, um, you can always go on to ReikiNorthampton.com uh, and check out the archives uh, of this show. It will be up about a week after or if you're a podcast listener, you can always go on to the Energy Matters podcast and download it anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, it's a little Starburst logo. So thank you so much, Fred. Um, you can stay on the line. Uh, thank you so much, Beth. Yeah, for thank you for having me. What a fun interview. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we are going to close out. Um, so have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.